This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. Well, it's good to see everybody. And uh, Brother Jeff wants to know, basically, why does a person come down to the front or raise their hand every time a gospel presentation is made over and over again? Well, this is the title of my lesson, Forgiving Ourselves. That is the title of my lesson. Jeff did not know that, and I didn't know he was going to ask me this question. All right, this is the reason. When you were younger, you may have been under teaching that actually encouraged that. It's almost like I go down, I get cleansed again. I go down, I get cleansed again. Okay. It's kind of a mentality of turning over a new leaf. Back when we were younger, they called it rededicating your life, but they didn't explain what that meant. They should have said rededicating your life, but first let me read Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. A lot of us going down to the front after salvation is we're genuinely saying, I'm going to change this time. But no one has discipled you, so you're trying hard to do it in yourself. I'm going to go down. I'm going to make it public. I'm changing my life. Well, you know what Satan said in his heart? I will ascend to be like the Most High God. So what you're really doing, instead of, I'm going to give my life to you, God says, I see your life dead, crucified with Christ. What I want you to hand to me is my son's life in you by the Holy Spirit. That's what I want. So it's not rededicating self or flesh over and over and over and over again. What it is, is like Paul said, I'm coming to the front. I know that I'm saved, but I'm simply coming to a point in my life, like Brother Jeff said, make him boss of my life, or you can say make him Lord of my life, or you can, like the Apostle Paul, say, I'm coming forward. I know I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm born from above, but I'm choosing this. It's no longer I, the middle letter of sin. It's Christ. And that's what that is. And with the understanding, as Major N. Thomas used to say, you say that I can't. God never said that you could. He always said that he would. Amen? Do you ever just say, I can't do this anymore. I can't quit. God never said that you could. But he always said that he would. You're the glove. He's the hand. So it could be wrong teaching from long ago uh, that shaped your mind that I'm going to keep going down front and also keep giving money. And also, I'm going to keep handing out tracts. I'm going to keep sharing the gospel. I'm not going to miss church. I'm going to read my Bible faithfully and chronologically. All those things are very good. But the reason we do all those things is because we already are children of God. We're already indwelt by His Spirit. And our love for Him motivates us to do those things. Or it gets reversed. As I do these things, God accepts me just a little bit more. And that's like saying what was done on the cross was almost perfect, but not quite. I've got to add a little bit of what's called performance Christianity, and then I'm accepted by God, and then I'm secure. But then when you don't do so well, just say if you miss three weeks reading your Bible chronologically, you feel guilty. And when you stay in that state for a while, the next thing you know, you wonder, am I even saved? And then that cycle goes over and over again. Brother Jeff, the Bible lessons that I've been promoting for years, they're about 1980s, so they're vintage, I guess you could say. But there's a picture in one of them 
that shows a young man on his knees bowed, and the picture shows him saying this, sin confess, sin confess, sin confess, sin confess, sin confess, sin confess. His Christian life is sin confess. And he actually feels good about it and thinks probably nobody else feels as badly about their sin as he feels bad about his sin. So he has the spirit of the elder brother. That is a form of bondage is what that is. We can blame it on Satan, but Satan can't be but at one place at a time and his legions of demons can't be but at one place at a time. I believe our biggest struggle is we're struggling with ourselves. And so what we need to do is we need to realize, okay, now that I am a child of God, I may sin later today. It may just be my thought processes. But when I realize that I have sinned against God, instead of asking him for forgiveness, confess to him the sin. And guess what? He already knows it. Well, when did he learn about my sin? Before he created the heavens and the earth and Adam and Eve, he already knew you because you were in his mind or you could not be here now. And he knows everything you'll ever do, whether wrong in your thinking or wrong in your actions. And when Christ 2,000 years ago died on the cross, he died for every one of those wrong thoughts and wrong actions. My friend, listen, that doesn't give you a license to sin. It motivates you to live a life of holiness. It's not getting away with anything. How can it be gotten away with? There's no sin that's ever gotten away with. Jesus died one time for how many? All. So if you don't see these things that we're talking about now, that's why discipleship is so important. If you don't see these things correctly now, you can live your whole Christian experience, always feel like I'm coming to God, but some reason I don't quite get there. And so that will make you doubt your salvation. That will make you pray the sinner's prayer over and over and over again. Amen? All right. Now, I'm not preaching yet. I'm just talking. The title of this message is Forgiving Ourselves. Forgiving Ourselves. Our forgiveness that we have from God will not be experienced until we understand our forgiveness by God, until we understand that we choose to forgive everyone, and then thirdly, we need to forgive ourselves. Now, sometimes when I say that last point, people say, wait a minute, you can't forgive yourself. Oh, yes, you can. Overall, Christ forgives you because he died for all of your sins. And you do know that we're to forgive other people who hurt us, who abuse us, who create wrong narratives about us and spread that. People who are disloyal as a friend, we forgive them immediately when we find out. But it doesn't mean that we didn't feel it in our emotions. But when the Holy Spirit brings it to our mind, we immediately say, I choose to forgive them no matter what. Now, you may not want to be with them, but you can't reject them. But you can look for ways not to have to be with them, and you can do that in agape love, and God leads you how to do that. But what about forgiving myself? You say, well, you can't forgive yourself. Yes, you can. I'm going to show that just in a moment. You can forgive yourself. Ultimately, fully and eternally, you are completely forgiven by God. If you put your trust where God has put your sin on Jesus, you are completely forgiven. But in the process of life, you do have to give others who hurt you. And yes, you do have to forgive 
yourself. So what I'm focusing on this morning is forgiving ourselves. Some people say this, I know I have been forgiven by God, and as far as I know, I have forgiven everyone, but something is still wrong. The problem, my friend, listen, is self-directed, not forgiving one's self. There can be no peace or contentment until you say one day, I'm just going to forgive myself. You remember the apostle Peter? You remember what Jesus said to him? He said, Peter, Peter was all bowed up. He thought he was better than all the other disciples. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the the rooster crows. So proud Peter's thinking, oh, no, I'm not. But we know that he did. Peter denied Jesus three times. The last time he was standing by a charcoal fire warming himself, he denied he knew Jesus three times. And then, just like Jesus said, the rooster crowed. You see this in Luke twenty-two sixty-one. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Can you imagine what Peter felt in his emotions? As soon as that rooster crowed, he knew I've denied him three times. And then the Bible says, just at a distance, he looked at Jesus and Jesus looked at him. Now, this is what I know. God is love. Jesus already knew what Peter was going to do. So when Jesus looked at Peter, do you think he had a look of anger or a look of love? He had a look of love. Peter probably would have felt better if Jesus had a frowned at him, but Jesus didn't do that. I do not believe that he did. I believe the hardest thing Peter ever experienced emotionally is when Jesus just simply looked at him. We read in the Gospel of John that after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. And I'm so grateful I've been able to be there twice. I never would have dreamed that. Jesus asked Peter three times in front of the other disciples. Jesus had already, on the banks, built a charcoal fire, and he was cooking something. So now Peter finds himself by the fire, just like the fire where he rejected Jesus three times, denied he knew him. And look what happens here. Jesus asked him three times in front of the other disciples, do you love me, Peter? You see, Jesus took our sin upon him. He became our condemnation. He took away the wrath of God from us in one eternal act upon the cross as he died for us and died as us. So when you think of sin and you hear people teach and preach on sin and how bad it is, and hell, and how hot it is. All these things. It's condemnation. And the truth is, that's what the Bible teaches. Here's the beauty. Jesus became our sin. Jesus took our condemnation upon him, and he gave his life up as a ransom for all of us. So therefore now, we are no longer under condemnation. We've been set free. You think about the Apostle Paul. Very well read in the law of Moses. Have you ever met someone that uh, they knew the Bible from cover to cover and even the maps, and they were very proud of it? 
They relish more than to get a group of people and play uh, Bible trivia pursuit because they knew a lot of facts in Scripture that, <clears throat> like a person who enjoys history, they're interested in details that you may not be interested in. And just remember those things. Well, Paul was very well read in the law of Moses. And Paul said of himself that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He prayed perfectly the established prayers in the Shema. But this same Paul, originally we knew him as Saul, he tried to stamp out Christianity. In other words, he tried to stamp out the way. This same Saul of Tarsus, who would have become the Apostle Paul and write most of the New Testament, he was standing there when Stephen was stoned. Yes, he was standing there. And he was watching the cloaks where people had laid down their cloaks so they could pick up rocks and stone Stephen. He saw Stephen being stoned. He saw him when he looked to heaven and saw Jesus standing by the right hand of the Father. And when Stephen's face looked like an angel, and when Stephen says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, same thing Jesus said on the cross. I believe Saul of Tarsus, on the Damascus Road, with the blinding light, when he became a child of God for the first time, this is what I believe. I believe the vision of Stephen's face, I believe the vision was so stamped on him, he never forgot it. I believe he saw it every single day, all through the day. A man being stoned and forgiving others at the same time, just like Jesus who lived inside of Stephen. Remember, if you truly are a child of God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're the glove. He's the hand. And so you see the life of Peter, the life of Paul. And that brings me to Psalm 103, verses 10 through 14. Listen to this. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Notice, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. My friend, listen, sin brings death nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. So... You read this in the psalm, and you think of God as a loving, holy God. Other passages of Scripture, you think of Him like from the Mount of Sinai. You think of Him as a wrathful God. The truth is this. If I know that God has forgiven me, how can I any longer hold an unforgiving spirit toward myself? You say, I just can't forgive myself. My friend, listen. God has forgiven you because of the death of Christ on the cross. So how can you not forgive yourself? I can tell you this. When other people have hurt you, guess what? Their sin was also hung on the cross with Christ. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So therefore, how can you withhold forgiveness to those who've wronged you when Jesus has died for them equally with you? Holding guilt over someone's head is equal to holding guilt 
over your own head. So I want you to look at something here. First, what are the results of self-condemnation? Do you condemn yourself all day long in your thinking? Condemn yourself, condemn yourself. What are the results when you're living that way? Well, we find ourselves punishing ourselves continually. We replay the same old stories of what we have done wrong over and over and over in our minds and emotions. There was a little boy visiting his grandparents on their farm, and he was given a slingshot to play with out in the woods. He practiced in the woods, but he could never hit the target. And getting a little discouraged, he headed back to dinner. As he was walking back, he saw Grandma's pet duck. Just out of impulse, he let fly, hit the duck square in the head, and killed it. He was shocked and grieved. In a panic, he hid the dead duck in the woodpile, only to see his sister was watching. Sally had seen it all, but she said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Grandma, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? And then she whispered to him, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. And Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper. But Sally smiled and said, well, that's all right, because Johnny told me he wanted to help. And she whispered again, remember the duck. So Sally went fishing and Johnny stayed home. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's, he finally couldn't stand it any longer. He came to Grandma and confessed that he killed the duck. She knelt down, gave him a hug, and said, Sweetheart, I know. You see, I was standing at the window, and I saw the whole thing. But because I love you, I forgave you. But I was just wondering how long would you let Sally make a slave of you? Listen, my friend, Satan can be like Sally. I saw what you did. I know what you're doing. Proverbs says a man walks down a street always looking behind him. He feels guilty. God already knows everything before you were ever born. And he died with everything that you would ever think or do wrong because of his great love for you. My friend, listen, don't be like Sally, blaming yourself, condemning yourself. Don't be like Sally, who's like an adversary, always whispering what you've done wrong, condemnation. My friend, listen, I don't know what's been in your past. I don't know what one sin the enemy keeps throwing up in your face. But whatever it is, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ was standing at the window and he saw the whole thing, but because he loves you, he has forgiven you. Perhaps he's wondering how long you'll let the enemy make a slave out of you. The great thing about God is that he not only forgives, but what does our passage in Psalm says? He forgets. He puts your sin away from you as far as the, from the West. Amen. So the first thing, the results of condemnation we punish ourselves continually. The second thing is this. We are uncertain we are forgiven by God. 
If you can't forgive yourself, then you will live wondering, has God forgiven me? Third thing is this. The result of not forgiving yourself, the third thing is this. We feel unworthy to be forgiven. I'm just not worthy to be forgiven. My friend, listen. None of us are worthy to be forgiven. None of us. He did it anyway. Nobody's better than the other. We're all equal in the sight of God. There's two people on the face of this earth. Those who have believed and received Christ and those who have yet believed to receive Christ, but they still can before they die. It's appointed unto man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. You can receive the judgment that Christ took in your place as your substitute and believe and receive Him, or you can keep going, not doing it, and then die without Christ and be forever separated from Him. It can never be undone. No way. It's over. Don't die without Christ. See, we feel unworthy to be forgiven. When you haven't forgiven yourself, when you go to God in prayer, you feel so guilty and you think that he has not forgiven you. You think he is not listening to you and it causes you to immediately replay what you feel guilty about in your mind and in your emotions. And this weakens your faith. Your day-by-day faith becomes weaker and weaker. That's why you begin to think, I don't think I'm saved. I think I got to pray the prayer again. Sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess. Listen, what have you ever done that the Bible says you cannot be forgiven for? Nothing. Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe. That We sing that, been singing that since we were boys. Romans 16 says, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. He took the penalty and guilt for all your sins. You've been saved from inherited sin from Adam, and you've been saved from all the sins that you've ever personally committed, and you're even washed in the blood of Christ, declared righteous. So therefore, it's been a double cure. You're completely born again, born from above, if you truly have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He took the penalty and the guilt for all your sins. So, the results of condemnation, the fourth one is this. We enter into excesses and compulsive behaviors. When you feel guilty, when you don't understand these basic things, you find yourself entering into excesses and compulsive behavior. Drugs, getting drunk, having affairs, buying things, trying to push down or escape this gnawing, guilty feeling. My friend, listen, the only way this is dealt with is by what has already been accomplished by the shed blood and death of Jesus Christ. You see, judicial forgiveness, forgiving another person, and forgiving ourselves all are rooted and exclusively based on the shed blood and death of Jesus Christ. People multiply their labors. They work harder and harder and harder. But my friend, listen, you cannot work your guilt off. My friend, listen, you have to look at the cross where he died for sin one time and for all sin. It's not you're working harder to get accepted by God. It's believing in the cross of Christ that propitiated the satisfaction took away all your sins as far as the east is from the west 
and you're not working to get that sin taken care of, my friend, the motivation for working for Christ is because I love him and I'm reminded of his great love for me and what he's done for me because of his cross. So you cannot work your guilt off of you. It's like saying the cross is not enough. I'll double up my efforts. And you always wonder, have I done enough? A fifth thing that is a result of not forgiving ourselves is we begin to confuse guilty feelings with humility. Some people feel so guilty. Oh, y'all just pray for me. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And they walk around. They always look a little depressed and, and they feel so guilty that they begin to think, if I keep walking this way and talking this way, I'm proving to God that I'm sincere. My friend, listen, you can't prove anything to an all-knowing God. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? He knows everything, my friend. So we confuse guilty feelings with humility. Sometimes we put on a pious pose. I just feel so humble before God, and I suspect no one else does like me. God's children must keep their eyes on the grace of God. God's children must see themselves and others through the eyes of God. God's children must understand the eternal forgiveness of God for themselves and for others and for offenses against them by others. Mostly, people do not replay the good things about themselves and their walk with God. They tend to only replay over and over the things they feel guilty about. My friend, listen That is a form of bondage, and that will lead to addiction. You need to know, I'm clear and clean before Almighty God. And when I sin after salvation, what I do is I confess what I just did. I agree with you, God, that it's wrong. And by the power of the Holy Spirit within me, I choose to surrender my human will to His control who lives in me and walk away from that sin. My friends... It's the only way that we can live this Christian life. And then another reason, my friend, that we will not forgive ourselves is this. We deprive ourselves of things God wants us to enjoy. I mean, listen, God wants more for you than you want for yourself. My friend, listen, we can't keep going on blaming other people. We finally have to say it is me. It's my thinking, which leads to choices, which leads to actions that even affects the feelings. We deprive ourselves of things God wants us to enjoy. Some people say, well, I didn't luck up like my brother did, or I just didn't seem to uh, be as intelligent as my sister. And we go on making excuses all of our life and time gets away from us. Instead of saying, God, you created me just the way I am. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. What do you want me to do in this brief time that I have left? But this is what we say. I don't deserve that. Maybe one day God will accept me. My friend, how long will that be? How long do you have to wait? How much more do you need to do? It's already done. Christ has already died. He's not coming back to die again. He died one time for all. So if you can forgive others... Why can't you forgive yourself? A seventh thing we do here, when we think about not being able to forgive ourselves, we begin to feel hopeless. Some of you may feel hopeless. Bottom line, you have not accepted God's forgiveness. 
In God's omniscience, He forgave you. How can you not forgive yourself? If God knows everything there will ever be about you, and He chose to forgive you, how can you not forgive yourself? You see, in reality, we do not accept the forgiveness of God. What you're saying is this, God, what you have said is not true. Jesus paid only for some of my sins and guilt, not all, so therefore I deserve to be punished. That is the mindset and the emotions of people who know that God has forgiven them, who have said, I forgive those who've hurt me. I just can't forgive myself. That's like saying, God, you did a lot on that cross, but not quite enough. And that brings a feeling of being hopeless. And so people who walk in this mindset many times are irritated with the true and full message of grace after initial salvation. I've been preaching on grace for many years, been preaching on agape love for many years. And sometimes it irritates people who have the spirit of the elder brother. Because if what you're teaching when it comes to grace and the love of God is true, and it is biblical, if it's true, then all this work that I've done all these years around the church, all this money that I've given has been for nothing. My friend, if what we do for God is based on getting him to accept us, keeping us secure, well, then it all is for nothing, my friend. But God still will use our wrong thinking. But my friend, listen, Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. My friend, it is finished. So sometimes um, people say, yeah, but this teaching will make people free to go out and live an evil life. Well, you know, the Bible also teaches this. To whom he loves his children, he also disciplines them. But even in his discipline, he's loving. And like I like to tell young people, you put on braces on your teeth so that your teeth will be sore. They say no, so that they'll grow straight. Yes, but it makes your mouth sore. Why do you put something on your teeth to make your mouth sore? They say because it makes my teeth straight. Listen, braces are good. Braces make your teeth sore. God in his loving discipline of you, he loves you. He already knows everything you've done and what you may do later today, he already knows. And you say, well, I'm going through a hard time. It's not God beating you up with a belt. We were taught that over the last hundred years. That's erroneous. He beat his son in your place on the cross. He was our substitute. He burned his wrath out in his son, not you. Well, then why am I going through a hard time? God's being hard on me. No, you are being hard on you. And God's loving discipline is not paying you back for sins committed because Jesus paid it. What he's doing is lovingly putting braces on you. Yes, it makes you sore, but it makes you straight. It's positive. It's not negative. So there are consequences, but praise God, they're from a loving Heavenly Father. You see, we as Baptists, sometimes we put people in bondage because we convey that if you want God's acceptance, you must do this, you should do this, and you should do the other. And a lot of times we don't realize we do it. You see, that's performance-based acceptance. It's works. has nothing to do with the Word of God. The Bible says we're accepted in the Beloved who is Christ. In Ephesians 1, 3 through 8, it's clear. We're accepted based on what He did, not what you do. 
We must change our thinking. If you have the mindset that I have to measure up, my friend, listen, it is a wrong mindset. You see, this is why we think this way. We grew up with our moms and dads saying, if you make good grades, I'll buy you something. If you make a good grade, you get a scholarship. If you do well in sports, you'll get a trophy. We have grown up in a society that tells us that if you get something, it's because of what you achieved, you work for it. But when it comes to the grace of God, there is no performance. Someone might say, that's not right. It's not that it's not right. It is just not what we have been taught. It is an unmerited, non-negotiable gift from Almighty God. It's been prepaid for. It cannot be purchased. It's free to all who receive. Another result of not forgiving yourself is we find ourselves continually disappointed in ourselves for not performing in the way we intended to or for not living up to our own expectations. If my acceptance is based on performance, I'm going to disappoint both God and me in my mind. How do you disappoint someone? In order to disappoint someone, they must expect something of you that you failed to meet. Let me ask you this. How in the world do you disappoint an all-knowing God? He knows everything. How do you anger an all-knowing God? What do you do when you failed to do all it falls in line with an all-knowing God? He knows everything, good or bad. He's not sitting up in heaven shocked at what you do or don't do. Another reason we can't forgive ourselves, we become accustomed to the guilt we feel. If you stay this way a long time, I'm less than. God's up in heaven. He's disappointed. He's got a frown on his face. I haven't been accepted. I'm not sure that I'm really saved. When we become accustomed to the guilt we feel, we emotionally adjust to our guilt. We emotionally adjust to the attitudes that we have. We live under guilt and self-condemnation so long that the very idea of being free is threatening. What am I going to do if I don't feel this guilt? In other words, we get addicted to feeling guilty. Listen, have you ever seen a prostitute be beaten and treated roughly by a pimp, but she never leaves him? She begins to think, I deserve what he's saying and doing to me. Have you got so accustomed to feeling guilty about yourself, listening to Satan accuse you, though God has forgiven you, that you feel like I deserve to be beaten down, talked down to, instead of no, I'm a child of the living God. Because of the cross of Christ, I'm in Christ. Christ is in me forever. This is not my home. I'm just passing through. I have a heaven. My friend, listen, one of the results of not forgiving yourself is you begin to enjoy the guilty feelings because you feel like somehow I pay God back because of the guilt that I feel. And so that is a form of bondage. And then another result of not forgiving ourselves, we surrender to self-condemnation, which I've already mentioned, and we deny the truth of the Word of God. So we just simply choose not to forgive ourselves. Now, very quickly, how in the world do I forgive myself? Listen carefully. Recognize that you still hold yourself in bondage. You're doing it. Other people are not. How do we forgive ourselves? Confess and repent of your sin and then thank him for his forgiveness. Because listen, he doesn't forgive you as you confess. He forgave you 2,000 years ago. He's already died once and for all. 
He's not throwing down forgiveness as you ask. You confess. I agree with you that I just sinned and I'm surrendering my will to your control, knowing that the Holy Spirit empowers me to repent and walk the other way. It's beautiful, my friend. It's not negative. How do we forgive ourselves? Reaffirm your trust in the testimony of Scripture. Psalm 103, 12 says this. I'm going to read it again. Then we're going to be closing. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This was written in the Psalms. It still applied to us today. Because when the all-knowing God saw his son on the cross in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, halfway across the world from where we are, he saw you even in the future because he knows all things and all the sins you'd commit. My friend, listen, you live under grace. Forgive yourself. How do we forgive ourselves? Accept God's acceptance of you. He's accepted me, not based on what I do or don't do. He's accepted me because it's based on what his son did on the cross for me and as me. I'm telling you the truth, my friend, because I love you. These things need to be known immediately after someone prays to receive Christ. So how do we forgive ourselves? We need to pray. Pray on the basis of your word. I here and now forgive myself. I forgive myself because you've already forgiven me. And the reason you can already forgive me is because you have died already on the cross for me and all my sins. So on the basis of your word, I here and now forgive myself because you have already forgiven me and accept my forgiveness to be freed from all that I have held against me. How should you feel? Feelings have nothing to do with it. You should, by an act of your will, accept what God has said is true, even if your feelings say, but I don't believe it. My friend, listen, the word of God is more powerful than our human will. Our wills are ours to make them thine. So you choose by an act of your will to accept what God has said is true. And all that you were holding upon yourself, he took upon himself. Be willing to accept God's acceptance. Right where you sit, Jesus Christ will liberate you. You don't have to feel anything. You just tell God, I choose to accept by faith what you said in your word. Choosing to forgive myself the same way I have believed that God has forgiven me and the same way I have forgiven others and they have forgiven me, I choose to believe that I am forgiven under the blood of Jesus Christ and I forgive me. When people do this, and I've seen this over and over again, they say it feels like a load has been lifted off of me. So my friend, tell him today, you have rerun that film for the last time in your mind, and you are accepting his freedom by faith. Jesus tore up the film that you keep playing over and over in your mind. It is a process of healing that begins. You will begin to feel emotionally this freeing. God placed on him what you have been carrying around for years. Your freedom is your choice for the asking and the believing right now. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.